0: In Rome, the gypsies are everywhere. The subways, the streets, the churches. Some are thieves and pickpockets. Some are street performers. Most are beggars. They have made an art of it. Visitors to Rome often find the gypsy beggars annoying. They're never sure whether to give them money or not. The Catholic pilgrims are especially torn. One of the first things most are told by knowledgeable Romans is, is never give anything to a gypsy, that they're all con artists and thieves. But then they see a sad-eyed woman with an even sadder-eyed child, and callously walking past her feels like the last thing any Christian should do. The Romans, however, don't have such qualms. They hate the gypsies, and have made as much of an art out of hating them as the gypsies have made out of begging. Because Romans primarily staff the Vatican, running all the businesses inside Vatican City and holding a large chunk of the ecclesial posts, you can guess what the prevailing attitude toward the gypsies is there. But during that time I lived in Vatican City, the animosity began to wane because of John Paul II. John Paul II knew how the gypsies were perceived inside the Vatican's walls, and he disliked that about as much as he disliked the fact that homeless men, women, and children slept on the Vatican's doorstep. So in May of 1987, about six months after I arrived in Rome, he agreed to Mother Teresa's request to open a 74-bed shelter inside the Vatican. It opened the following winter. As soon as the sisters began taking in guests, the Swiss guards began volunteering there. Our job was to watch out for troublemakers and keep the sisters safe. While we did that, we helped the sisters out with the various tasks involved in running such an enterprise. I usually took on the job of helping them serve dinner and was unfailingly impressed by the sisters' simplicity, humility, and love. I also was impressed by the actions of the Pope. Not only did John Paul II make the unprecedented move of opening the shelter inside the papal palace, but also unprecedented and perhaps more surprising. He held audiences for the gypsies and homeless of Rome. In the midst of traveling the world, meeting with prime ministers, and shaping the way the faith was taught and lived, he regularly took time to be with those who most Romans considered the dregs of their city. The significance of that was never lost in the gypsies who came to the audiences. As I stood guard, I would watch their faces. They were different in that room than they were on the outside. They were, in a way, more themselves. They lost the anonymous look of the beggar and reflected instead their God-given dignity as individuals. In meeting with the Holy Father, those gypsies and beggars remembered who they were, and so did we. After those audiences, none of us in Vatican City could look at gypsies in quite the same way. John Paul II's actions affected us all. They helped us see the truth of the situation. And they helped each of us act with greater virtue. That's the power leaders possess. By their actions, they shape the beliefs and actions of those serving under them. That's why it's so important that a leader's actions be the right ones. In all his actions, great and small, he must live as a witness to the truth. He must never forget what our mothers so insistently told us actions speak louder than words why actions matter actions matter because all actions and inaction have consequences some consequences may be small some may be earth-shattering regardless everything we do every action we take in some way affects ourselves our environment or the lives of others